When small, it has not taken any shape. It is like pure soil. You will reap what you sow in pure soil. If children are taught the tenets of Iman, the Quran, and the commandments of Allah, and accustomed to doing them, they will attain religious and worldly happiness. Their parents and teachers will share this happiness of theirs. If they are not taught and trained, they will become unhappy. The sin of each evil they will commit will be given to their parents and teachers too. Allah declares in the sixth ayat of Surah Al-Tahrim, Protect yourselves and those in your homes and under your command from the fire. It is more important for a father to protect his children against the fire of hell than against worldly fire. And to protect them against the fire of hell is to teach them iman, the fards, and the harams, to accustom them to worshipping, and to protect them against irreligious and immoral friends. The source of all kinds of immoral deeds is an evil friend. Our Prophet ﷺ, by stating, All children are born fit and suitable for Islam, later their parents make them Christians, Jews, or irreligious, indicates that both for the settlement and for the annihilation of Islam, the most important work on children can be done when they are still young. Then, the first duty of each Muslim is to teach his children Islam and the Quran of Karim. The child is a great blessing. If the blessing is not appreciated, it will be lost. Therefore, pedagogy, i.e., the science of teaching children, is a very valuable science in the Islamic religion. And because the enemies of religion also understand this important point, Freemasons and Communists, the most dangerous sources of irreligiousness, irreligiousness in our century, say, Education of the youth is our main goal. We should train children so as to make them irreligious. In order to annihilate Islam and to hinder the teaching and practicing of Allah's commandments, Freemasons say, we should not tire the brains of the youngsters. They will learn religious knowledge themselves when they grow up. And they add, we all should do our best to spread the idea of freedom, of belief all over the world, and should establish the decisions we make in our lodges in, in every country. We should annihilate the Brotherhood of Islam and establish the Masonic Brotherhood instead. Thus we will achieve our holy purpose, which consists of the eradication of all religions. Therefore, Muslims should not fall for the tricks and lies of the enemies of the religion. They should not believe their flattering, deceitful, and sequined flatteries. Muslims must do amri maruf and nahi munkar to one another. In every country today, youngsters are taught physical training and made to do physical exercises in order to strengthen, beautify, and harmonize their bones, muscles, hands, feet, and in short, all their limbs. They are made to memorize and practice the rules and the exercises of arithmetic, geometry, and psychology for the improvement and refreshment of their mental efforts and spiritual activities. And they do physical exercises in order to purify their cells by activating their blood. While all these and the information that will be necessary for worldly affairs are organized as lessons and duties to be practiced, is it appropriate to misrepresent it as a crime and an aggression against conscience to teach and practice Iman, Islam, the Fards, the Wajibs, the Sunnats, and the Halals, which will prepare children for real happiness in this world and the next? For everyone's comfort and peace, for improvement and progress, for attaining Allah's love and grace, for understanding the Harams and the things that will cause disbelief so that everyone will avoid them, is teaching Islam a crime? 
In all Christian countries today, as soon as a child is born, they impress on it all the requirements of their corrupt religion. Assiduously, they inoculate people of every age with Judaism and Christianity. In order to steal and annihilate Muslims' belief and faith and to Christianize them, they send chests full of books, brochures, and motion pictures to Muslim countries. For example, Christians presuming that Hadrat Isa, Jesus, salam, is the son of God, never, absolutely not, call Allah Father or God the Father. In their novels and films, they say such things as God the Father will rescue us. However, a person who calls Allah Father or God the Father loses his iman and becomes a disbeliever. Muslims should not watch such tricky films or read such tricky novels. Here, with these and various other methods, they insidiously steal the belief of youngsters. While they name these efforts of theirs service to humanity, a right and freedom gifted by a democratic regime, isn't it injustice to name it religious propaganda, retrogression, against the freedom of conscience for a Muslim to remind one of his Muslim brothers of Allah's commands? While it is considered extremely normal for a non-Muslim to put forward theories and ideas against Islam, isn't it retrogression, fanaticism, and bigotry to misrepresent it as a crime, murder, and perfidy for Muslims to talk about real and correct Islam, which the Ahl-Sunnah Savants have communicated and have shown as the bright way of Hadrat Muhammad? By giving Islam such names as reaction, bigotry, retrogression, fanaticism, and defeatism against secular principles, they blemish these innocent people. Isn't it a malicious lie to say that these men were primitive and abnormal, while in fact they were pure-souled, far-sighted, useful people who ran after knowledge, morals, science, virtue, and to describe those who dislike them and dislike Islam as modern, enlightened, and vigilant men? If they, on the other hand, try to object to Amri Maruf and Nehi Munkar by saying that religion is free, that you cannot interfere between Allah and man, that everybody will recognize and worship his Allah according to the inspiration in his conscience, and thereby extinguish our Iman and inheritance from our ancestors, and on the other hand, offer youngsters poisonous books and magazines through false advertisements that are prepared by missionaries called Jehovah's Witnesses, with tricks and plans under the name of Islam in order to annihilate Islam, won't Muslims become hurt? Unbelievers who have focused all their energies and efforts on the extermination of Islam from the earth and who would not tolerate younger generations being curious about Islam, which might lead them to making research and consequently learning Islam despite all the strenuous interceptive measures get mad with a fire of grudge, malice, and revenge from head to toe when they hear about the statements of Ahl-Sunnah Savants. Rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhim ajma'in. Drawing pictures of turbans, beads, and beards in their TVs, newspapers, and magazines, they say, the black force has risen from its grave. Reaction! As their bodies and souls will burn eternally in the fire of hell as a punishment for their disbelief, so to their foul souls burn in this world. Radio and television programs of this sort are very harmful. Muslims respect one another, run to help one another. When they see others in trouble in religious or worldly matters, they rescue them. They love and revere the month of Ramadan, the holy month in which Muslims have to fast. They love and revere those who fast. They love and revere mosques, 
the adhan, the call to prayer, those who perform namaz, prayer, and those who walk in the way of the ahkam e islamiyah. As the Quran is read or recited, they listen to it silently and with reverence. Keeping the Quran above any other book, they don't put anything on it. They do not read it at musical or cocktail parties while playing or at places of entertainment. When it is read improperly, they leave the place without listening if they cannot silence it. When they see the Quran or its pages or its lines or its letters or all respectable or blessed names at low, despicable places, they at once raise them, their hearts aching. They observe the rights of all human beings and animals. They don't attack the property, souls, or chastity of disbelievers or foreign visitors. They pay their taxes in time, and they don't violate the laws. They obtain the love and respect of everybody by living in accordance with the high moral principles of Islam. As for the unbelievers, they try to cause the Quran and the Maulid and all sacred names to be despised and referred to as foul. They print them in magazines, on pieces of paper, and in newspapers so that they will be used as covers for packages or on tables of entertainment so that they will be disrespected and placed on the floor. In plays, in comedies, in cartoons, and films, in records, and on radio and TV programs, they make fun of Muslims, great religious men, and commandments of Allah. In all these, they represent a loathsome, funny vagabond as a Muslim. That is, by insulting Islam and Muslims, they misrepresent them as unsympathetic and hateful. They give loathsome names to great Muslims and to the things which Muslims deem great. Muslims should not go to see and hear their shows, nor should they buy or read words, writings, and newspapers of this sort. They should be very vigilant, lest their iman should be stolen. If a Muslim who criticizes a religious savant or finds a religious book erroneous and full of mistakes, performs namaz, fasts, and avoids the haram, then oral and written statements made by this person are worth studying, and that savant or that book must be scrutinized. If the person who speaks ill of a religious book or religious savant does not worship or does not abstain from the harams, we should not believe his opinion, realizing that it is only a slander and an expression of enmity towards Islam. Blemishing religious men and religious books has been a tool, a weapon for the enemies of Islam today. A savant only can appreciate a savant. Only the nightingale appreciates the value of a rose. Only the jeweler perceives the carrots and gold. And only the chemist understands the genuine pearl.